listen, I'm excited. We've got 30, 38 minutes to cover a lot of stuff tonight. So if you got your Bibles, grab them, uh, grab your iPhones. We're going to be in John chapter six to start. Uh, like I said, we're going to do a series, uh, through the I am statements. If you're familiar with the gospel of John, it's a phrase that John uses or, or that John records that Jesus said about himself in relationship to us in his status as God. The I am statement refers to the Hebrew idea that God gave Moses when Moses said, who should I say sent me to Pharaoh? And God told him, you say, I am sent you, right? In the Greek, it is the exact same reference. Jesus is using it of himself in regard to his own deity, in regard, in regard to his own equality with God, as John says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And so Jesus is not leaving any debate open when he claims the I am statement about himself. He's claiming his, his identity as God himself in the flesh to these people, right? And in so doing, he also finishes the statement with a descriptive term in relationship to humanity. And the reason I want to study the I am statements is because it's God's, listen, these seven statements give you an idea of how God says he's going to relate to us in our situation, our condition, our dilemma. And so these seven I am statements is God himself, right, in the form of Jesus, right, the son of Mary and Joseph, claiming as God how he interacts with us on a human level, right? And there's some powerful and encouraging things that we're going to learn from this. So I'm excited to do it uh, with the transition happening in children's ministry as we honored Paula and Meg uh, on stage this past weekend uh, with new staff coming in and still being a little bit shorthanded on Wednesday. I promised the gals that I would do my very best to get out of here at 730. So do not egg me on, okay? Uh, and I, listen, whatever we don't finish, I'm going to go back and I'm going to finish the next week. This is just going to be one ongoing teaching. I love to preach, but I love, I love, I love teaching. So here's the verses I want to read. You can skip John 26 there. Let's do the next set. John six. So I think it says John six thirty uh, and 31, David, that's a mistake. So while I talk, you go to John 20 verse 30 and 31. So years ago, I did a series on Wednesday night called The Fourth Meal. Do any of you remember that series where I talked about Taco Bell's fourth meal plan? Very good, right? So years ago, Taco Bell had a, had a, had a marketing campaign. And the marketing campaign was they advertised themselves as the restaurant with the fourth meal, which I thought was genius, right? Do any of you online in here eat Taco Bell? And how many of you are ashamed to admit it? All right. Thank you. Right. Uh, but talk about a wonderful program about the fourth meal. And basically the idea was if you don't go to Taco Bell, you're missing out on something that makes life better than just three meals. Right. And here's what John says in John chapter 20. Right. In verses 30, 31. This is the summary of his gospel. Here's what he writes. 
Jesus performed many other signs, and that's what we studied were the miracles of Jesus, right? Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these ones, the ones that I chose, John says, listen to what he says. They're written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Old Testament Messiah, right? The Son of God, and that by believing, everybody say the word believing. And that by believing in Jesus, you may have what? Have, everybody say the word life. Have life in his name. So John's really clear. Here's the purpose of my letter. My letter is written so that you'll believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And that by believing in him, you will have life in his name. So how many of you believe in Jesus online in here? Say amen. Right? He says that you get life in his name through that action of believing. And so I looked up the Greek word for life. In our language, we have one word for life. Right? Just one. In the Greek language, there are three. There's the Greek word bios, right? Which we get our word, what? Biology from, right? It is basic, right? It is the basic life of any of any form of living, right? It is at its cellular level describing the action of just being alive. That is a Greek word used in scripture to define life, right? There's another Greek word for life called suke. Right? And suke is where we get our words, anybody know? Psychology from. Right? It's not just the idea of biological life at the cell level. This is about a life that's a step above it. It's about our existence. Right? How many of you'd rather be here than not be here? Right? Listen, we spend a lot of time protecting our existence, right? I mean, look at the billions and billions and billions of dollars we spend in healthcare. Why? Because we want to be what? We want to be alive. Everybody agree with that? Suke is that. It's the idea of being here, our existence, versus our not being here. The actual word comes from the idea of breath, right? And if you've ever struggled with catching your breath, you know the you know that feeling of panic, correct? Right? Listen, if you've ever struggled to catch it, there is a panic that oh my gosh, my life, right? My life is in danger. I I actually had to have the Heimlich maneuver done to me one time at a restaurant over on A1A and honestly thought I was going to die. And honestly probably had there not been a guy on his way out the restaurant who was an ex-military, I probably would not have made it because my wife had tried to to give me Heimlich. The restaurant staff was in shock and thankfully there was this guy who actually happened to either be prodded or sensed what was going on and he drugged me out of the booth and he gave me the Heimlich maneuver and and saved my life. I mean to this day I know that he did. When your suke right, gets threatened, that's a big deal, right? We fight for that. We pray for that. We spend billions of dollars to make that work. But neither one of those are the words that Jesus uses to describe the life that he says we can have if we believe in Jesus. That Greek word is the Greek word zoe. Zoe. And what zoe means is something greater than a cellular level and something greater than just my existence, right? So for example, this year at Christmas, 
Um, we didn't have any of our sons at home, but we had our two daughters at home. And Harmony is 26, and Kana is now 19, soon to be 20, sophomore in college, and she has a full-time job, as she's had for a while. And she was excited because she got to bring presents like an adult to Christmas this year, right? And so we were doing a gift exchange or whatever, and Kana, you know, gave out her gifts, and she bought real presents for us, right, real people, um, I don't remember what she bought me. She'll be mad at me if I forget. Uh, I think she bought me a, some kind of shaving beard kit or whatever. Who knows? I returned it. And so, um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But so she gave me that and I was very happy for her because, you know, it's, it's a nice step up when you're always receiving to eventually be able to come and bring gifts, right? But my daughter Harmony got me a gift and it was incredibly special because Years ago, my daughter dated a guy from London, England. Um, I blame God for that. But anyway, we've worked it out, right? But she wanted to fly to London to spend the weekend with him. And that was challenging for dad. And so she asked me to go with her. And so I flew to England with her and I got to meet, um, you know, this guy that she was dating and his parents and got to stay for a couple of days. The last day we were there, we went into London and we spent an entire day with me getting to be a tourist in the city of London. I rode a double, de- a double decker bus and it was one of the best days of my entire life. You ever been to England, London? Anybody? Listen, love it, right? If it, it's, it was amazing. And I didn't get to see hardly any of it, but it was one of the best days I've ever had on this planet, right? And my daughter Harmony had given me the map that I had used on the double-decker bus when I had seen all of the sites I got to see. She had kept the map and she gave it to me as a Christmas present this year. So as much as I love Cana for getting an adult present, Harmony won Christmas hands down, right? And here's why, right? The reason why it meant so much to me because that day in London with my daughter and her boyfriend Brad at the time was Zoe. Right? It was Zoe. It wasn't just life at the biological level. It wasn't just life about having the breath of life in my lungs. It was a lot more. It was, it was the kind of day that when we got done, I went, wow, I can't believe this is my life. Right? I can't believe I had that day on planet earth. It was Zoe. It was something greater. Does Zoe make sense to you? Right? You understand that biological cellular life. Amen. Yes. You understand suke, right? The breath of life actually being here versus being not here. Everybody understand that? Zoe is something greater. Zoe is something fuller. And here's what John says. Listen to what he says. You only get it if you believe in who? In Jesus. You only get it if you believe in Jesus. And here's what Jesus said in John 6.35, right, is what we're saying. And here's the summary of this entire story. Jesus declared to them, everybody read this statement with me. I am the bread of life, life, zoe, right, zoe. John uses it more than any writer in the New Testament by far, right? I am the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the substance of this life that everybody wants. Listen. I don't know about you, but I'm 59 years old and I have been working for a living since I was 13. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of it. Anybody else? Right? There's a couple of you that think, oh, I'm going to work forever. Well, good for you. All right? The rest of us are ready for retirement and a break. Right? Listen, I love work, but after 46 years, do you ever get tired of the monotony? Like My kids grow up and they go, man, I didn't know adulting was so boring. Right? 
Because guess what you got to do as an adult? You got to do laundry, right? You've got to fix food. You got to take care of babies. You got to mow the yard. Oh, and you got to pay the bills. Oh, and you have to have a job to pay the bills. Oh, and then you got a grocery shop, right? It gets to be incredible. That's not, listen, that's not Zoe. That's not Zoe. Right, that's suke. That is existing. That is being. You know what Zoe is? Zoe is being able to have a vacation at a five-star resort. Zoe is getting to have your family together at Christmas time when everybody is there. Zoe is a double-decker bus in London with your daughter. Right? Zoe is riding four-wheelers on sand dunes in the Namibian desert. Right? Zoe is beyond and above. And here's what Jesus says: I'm the source of that life. If you want that kind of life, you got to have it through me. And John says, I'm writing my gospel so that you'll believe in Jesus so you can have that kind of life. And that's what this series is about. It's about helping you understand that, listen, listen, the world that we live in is dark and it's chaotic and it's evil and it's full of pain. Yes? Yes. And it seems like it's getting more so that way. And it can be really discouraging at times. But here's what, here's what Jesus promises. Through me. You can live here and still experience more than biological life and just the breath of life, the existence. You can have Zoe. You can have a life that's above. You can have a life that's full. You can have a life that's unbelievably full of blessing. And here's how you do it. You have it through me. You have it through Jesus. So then that made me ask four questions. And so I want to ask four questions about this source of this life. Because listen, let's be clear. Life is just by its existence hard. Yes or no? Right? And there's nothing at some level you can do about some of the hard things. One of my dear friends from this church texted me today to tell me that he was diagnosed with cancer. 52 And this is a guy that is a fighter. This is a guy that has fought his entire life. This is a guy that loves Jesus. This is a guy that loves his family. This is a guy that's working hard to do it right. And you know what he was able to do to prevent cancer? Nothing. Nothing. Why? Because life can be very difficult here. Right? And here's what Jesus promises. There's more to life here than just that pain. And just that suffering. And just that existence. Right? And listen, that's the message that the world is trying to communicate to your children, my children, your grandchildren, and my grandchildren. That there's no reason to be here. You have no meaning and you have no purpose. Right? They're trying to communicate. And here's how I know it's working. Suicide statistics are going up in children between the ages of 13 and 19. Where is that coming from? It's coming from this idea that, listen, there's nothing beyond this terrible life that I have. This boring life that I have. This life that I don't have any value or meaning. And nobody likes me on social media. There is a absolute onslaught from the enemy to convince that generation they have no chance at Zoe. And here's what Jesus says. If you, if you know that I'm the bread of life and I'm the source of Zoe, come to me. Come to me. Because there is something more there. There is something greater there. So here's the four questions I want to ask, starting with this first one. If Jesus is the source of a better life, than just living and breathing and having biological life. The question is, how do we get it? Right? How do we obtain this breath of life? Let's read some scriptures. In John 6, 25 through 27, here's what Jesus said. Right? So Jesus performs the miracle of the feeding of 5,000. Everybody familiar with that? Yes? Right? Set him down. Five loaves, two fish. Blesses them. Boom. Everybody eats and there's tons of leftovers. 
He sends the disciples away and then Jesus goes away and then those people wake up in the morning and they're what? They're hungry. So who do they look for? They don't look for Aldi's, right? They look for who? They're looking for Jesus. And when they see that he's not there, they get in their boats and go across the Sea of Galilee and they find him there. And their question is, hey, buddy, when did you get here? Right? That wasn't what they were really concerned about. What they're concerned about was, why did you leave us without breakfast? Right? Why did you get up in the middle of the night and just abandon us? Right? Here's what Jesus said. These people find him on the other side of the lake and they ask him, Rabbi, teacher, total, total, um, identification with respect. Right? It's like a, it's like a leave it to beaver show. Right? And you had, uh, what was the, what was the wormy guy's name? Eddie Haskell. Right? And I love having an old congregation. Thank you. Right? I just said, leave it to be there to the millennials. They'd have been like, was that a cartoon, right? Eddie Haskell, right? This is a term that Eddie Haskell would use, right? To them. Rabbi, when did you get here? Right? Jesus says, he doesn't even answer their question. I love it. I tell you the truth, he said. You're not looking for me, he said, because you saw the miraculous sign, but because you ate and the lo- you ate the loaves and had your fill. Here's what he said. Don't go to work. Ergo, the word means to work, to toil, to labor. He said, don't work. Don't spend your effort for food that what? Spoils. The word spoils means to utterly destroy, to completely separate, meaning it has zero value. It's the same Greek word used of Herod when he wanted to kill Jesus. Right? Get rid of it. He said, don't work for food that's going to completely annihilate you and destroy you. He says, but for the food that endures to eternal what? Life, which the Son of Man will give you. Right? So he says to them, this bread... That is the source of this Zoe. He said, don't be deceived. You can't earn it. So let's be clear, church, online and here. You cannot earn what Jesus gives you. Can somebody say amen? You cannot earn it, which means you can't do enough good and you can't beat yourself up for being bad, right? You can't beat yourself up enough for being bad to make God give you Jesus. Somebody say amen. There is, come on, say that like you mean it. Listen, there's no room for shame. Amen? Listen, is there is there room for conviction of the Holy Spirit? Yes or no? Yes. There's no room for shame because if Jesus has saved you, he has saved you completely. Shame is an enemy of the wep- or an enemy or weapon of the enemy. Can I get an amen? I'll stop having a stroke and I'll speak better, right? But listen, shame has no place in a believer's life. It is simply a way for the enemy to convince you, you've got to do better. You've got to try harder. You've got to work more to get this. Let's be clear. Jesus said, don't work for food that will destroy you. But instead, he said, the food that endures to eternal life, that's what you have to get. And how do you get that? You get it through who? Jesus. So let's be clear. There's no work involved here. Right? And then Jesus goes on to say this, right, in John 6, 29. He says this, Jesus answered them, the work, because their question is, okay, well, then what do we do to get it? Jesus says the work of God is this. Everybody online, everybody in here, read it. To believe is sent. 
Listen, you know what, you know what, you know what it takes to get Jesus? You have to what? Come on, everybody say it. You gotta believe. You gotta believe. It all begins with believing. Everything that you're gonna get for Zoe has to start with your belief in Jesus. That's where it begins. Listen, maybe the journey starts by coming to a church. Maybe the journey starts by you reading a devotional. Maybe the journey starts by you going to a Christian concert. Maybe the journey starts because you were the recipient of a, of a kind act from a Christian person, right? But everything about Zoe begins and ends with you needing to believe in Jesus. Believing in God isn't enough. Believing in God won't get you near Zoe. But believing in Jesus will. John 5, 24, Jesus said it this way. He said, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word, now he threads it out a little bit, hears my word and believes him who sent me, he says, has eternal what? Zoe, right? Has eternal life and will not be what? Condemned, which means you have no need for shame, right? You don't have any condemnation in Jesus. So why do you condemn yourself? Respond to the conviction of the Spirit, confess your sin, repentance may need to be required, and move on. Can I get an amen? No condemnation, he's crossed over from death to what? Zoe. You got to believe on Jesus, which means you need to believe in God's what? In God's word. Listen, the reason why we, we want you to, to be a part of Wednesday nights and when we want you to be a part of Tuesday mornings or the weekend or small groups is because we need you to understand that the words of this book lead you to the bread of life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of what? The word of God. Not the word of a pastor on YouTube, right? The word of God. That's where you get this. So how do you get it? You got to believe. And what do you got to believe in? You got to believe in the word, right? You got to believe in the word. And then he says this, you can skip John uh, 5, 39. Go down, go down to Acts eleven eighteen. Here's what Paul says in Acts eleven eighteen. 18. Another thing you and I need to do to get this bread of life. When they heard this, and I don't want to get into the context, right? But just suffice it to say, there was a group of people that Peter preached the gospel to. And it says, when they heard this, they had no further objections there's a group of people that Peter preached the gospel to and the Jews didn't like it. It says when Peter made his explanation, they had no further objections and they praised God. And here's what they said. So then God has granted even the Gentiles, what? Repentance unto what? Life, Zoe. Another thing beyond believing that's required of every person who wants that life that's more than suke, the breath and existence or biology, the cellular living, is you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to repent, which means you're going to have to make a change, which means you're going to have to think different. Because until you think different, there's no real change. There's just behavior modification. And behavior modification isn't real change. It's just you exercising the amount of self-discipline you got from your family or you got from the military. Behavior modification does not work. Repentance works. You want New Year's resolutions don't work because they're never repentant. As Cody said wonderfully when he did his communion meditation the, last, the, first, the first Sunday of the, of the year, ultimately what a New Year's resolution requires is repentance. Because we're saying, this is what I'm going to do in the new year. And usually they fail. 70% of them, why? Because they're just behavior modification. If you want suke, you're going to have to change 
the way you think, which will change the way you act. And the Bible calls that what? Repentance. Repentance. Everybody at times needs repentance, right? Everybody needs it. And there's no life. There's no Zoe. There is no existence of beyond biological, right? Or psychological. There's no existence above that without repentance. And here's another thing. Romans chapter 6 says this. Romans 6 says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He says, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in any longer? He says this. Or don't you know that all of you who were what? baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. And then he says this, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that what? That just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new Zoe. You want to know the other thing you need to do to get Zoe? You need to get baptized. You need to get baptized. Debate it all you want. But scripture is pretty clear. There is a step of faith. There is a step of repentance. And there is a step of baptism. And those are simple steps. Right? And listen, the reality is they're separate steps. They're separate steps. And sometimes it takes a minute to make them. And sometimes it takes a week to make them. And sometimes it takes a month between them. All I know is you need to take them. Because Zoe is more important than Suke or Bios. Everybody wants a life above that. Everybody wants a life above that. Jesus said, you can have it in me, but you got to believe me. You got to believe me, which means you got to believe in my word. You got to repent. You can't just behavior modify. You can't just say I'm disciplined enough to do it. You got to change the way you think, and then you need to get baptized. So if you want to do that tonight, we'll baptize you tonight. Whatever it takes, we'll do it. If you want to go to the ocean tonight, I'll baptize you in the ocean. Whatever you want to do, I don't care. Now, I will not go into your pond. Okay, let's be clear. If we're going into your pond, Joe's going in. Okay? But I'm not. Right? But I would walk into the ocean. Whatever it takes. Because for some of you, that's a step you're missing. It's a step you're missing into that relationship. So what do we do to get it? We believe, we repent, and we're baptized. Somebody say amen. Let's go to the second question. What works against us in getting this bread? Right? What works against us in getting this bread? Here's what John 6, 41 says. It says, as the Jews begin to grumble, because Jesus makes this teaching, right? Jesus. And the Jews begin to grumble about Jesus, right? Because he said, I am, right? I am, right? I am. That's the part that bothers them. This dude is claiming equality with God. He's a heretic. They had a problem that he said, I'm the bread that came from heaven, right? They have a problem with the, why? Is it this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know who was born in this tiny little podunk town and grew up in this backwater town called Nazareth? We know this kid. How is he claiming to be from God? They have a major problem with it. And lots of people will have a major problem with it. And the world will work to keep him Right? Keep him away from us. So what does work in the world against us having this bread of life? Let's read a couple of scriptures. Matthew 7 says this. Matthew 7, 13 says this. Enter through the narrow gate. Everybody say narrow gate. Everybody enter the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to what? Destruction. That word is the word that we saw earlier. Don't work for food. That what? 
spoils. There's a road that leads to utter destruction and complete separation. And that road is broad, he says, and many find it. Instead, he says, enter through the what? Narrow gate. Bring that verse back up. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. And then he says this. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to what? Zoe and few find it. Here's what you need to know about, about Zoe. Although it's for everybody, not everybody's going to find it. Why? Because there's a narrow gate. Because there's only one way to get through the gate. And that's you've got to know who? You've got to know Jesus. Ain't no church getting you through the gate. Ain't no mission trip getting you through the gate. Ain't no, no, uh, is it no amount of money that's going to get you through the gate? Having the right pedigree won't get you through. Right? The only way to get through the gate is you got to know who? you got to know Jesus. So that gate's, that gate's narrow. And only few are going to find it. But when you enter the narrow gate, you find what? Zoe. You find Zoe. So here's what works against us. Matthew 10, 37. Here's one thing that works against us. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He goes on to say, anyone who loves his son, this gets harder, for or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Listen to this statement. Whoever finds his life, suke, not zoe here, suke. So ever finds his existence will lose it. And whoever loses his Suke, for my sake, we'll find, and in the Greek, there's the word zoe. We'll find it. Zoe. You want to know what works against us having zoe? Is our very existence. We take, listen, this is why Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Everybody say the word gain. You don't want to know why? Because Paul said living is more important than zoe. Whatever I got to do to obtain Zoe, I'm going to do it. And here's what happens. We fight more for our suke than we do anything else. We fight more for our existence than we do anything else, which is why death scares us to death. It frightens us, all the health concerns, right? And that's not me being insensitive to it, right? That's me stating a fact. Jesus says when our existence becomes the thing we seek for more than Zoe, guess what we're going to lose? We're going to lose Zoe. And so it's, here's, here's the weird dynamic. Just being alive at times can work against us having Zoe. Because we spend a lot of time focusing on staying above ground. Keeping the next breath of life. And that becomes a thing we do, right? And guess what happens then? We spend more time at the gym than we do at church. We spend more time eating the world's bread that spoils than we do the communion bread that represents the bread of life. Right? When, when suke, listen, when suke becomes more important than zoe, it's easy to skip church and run a marathon. It's easy to skip church and, and, and do whatever. Right? The minute suke becomes more important, and that's what Jesus means, when you find suke, like when you find that thing and that's the most important thing, he said you're gonna lose zoe. So just breathing at times works against us having Zoe. And then how about this? Luke 12 says it this way. Jesus said, someone in the crowd said to the teacher, tell my brother to divide an inheritance with me. Older brother got the, got the lion's share. The younger brother says, ask him basically to make it fair. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? 
Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of what? So greed's going to work against us here because look what greed does. He says a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Right? Listen, the reality is life right there, man's life, zoe in the Greek, zoe does not consist in the abundance. You still want to know what works against this? Cars and boats right? Golf clubs, right? Vacation homes, 401ks, all of those things. You know what they can do? They can work against you, right? Um, going after and pursuing Zoe. And instead they make you focus on suke. Everything to make my life here better, a bigger home, new flooring, better cabinets, right? I need a bigger car. I need an SUV. I need a boat. I need a vacation home. And listen, there's nothing wrong with those things. Don't walk out of here saying I said that. What I'm saying is they can get in the way of you pursuing Zoe. It happens all the time. Look at how, listen, I heard a st- my, my buddy told me this today. The, 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 the GDP of California, right? Basically, California's value and what it brings in gross domestic product, I think, right? GDP, right? Its number is larger than the entire country of Germany. Yeah, the single richest state in the union now is California. <clears throat> Do you know how many people in California pursue suke and everything they can have to make their life here better? And do you know how many people are miserable, miserable, miserable people? A lot of them, and you don't know why? Because they have sacrificed Zoe for the abundance of possessions in suke. Listen, that's going to work against you sometimes. You want to know one of the biggest one of the biggest things giving does for you is it keeps your possessions in perspective. Listen, the reason why you should give isn't because you believe that everything we do is exactly the way you want it to be done. The reason you should give to the church for the kingdom purposes is because it helps you keep in perspective your possessions because possessions can get in the way of Zoe. Especially the abundance of those possessions. Do you know why people have walked away from faith just so they could work extra hours, just so they could make more money? And when they have more money, they buy more things. And you know what things have to be done with? They have to be used. And when's the best time to use those things? On the, on the weekend, baby. On the weekend. And the next thing you know, it doesn't matter whether we're streaming online or not. You're not even watching online anymore because you're in your boat. You're at your vacation home. Let's say nothing wrong with those things, but they can't get out of order. Does that make sense to you, church? And then listen to what he says in Galatians 6, 7. He says this, do, do not be deceived. God cannot be what? Which means ain't nobody getting away with nothing. Let's be clear about that. Some of you are stuck on that because you're like, that person's getting away. No, they're not. God is not what? God is not mocked. God cannot be mocked. A man ultimately reaps what they want. So stop it. Stop it with the whole, oh, they're going to get away with it. No, they're not. It's going to catch up to them. Right? And look what he says. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap what? Same word that Jesus used about don't work for food that spoils. Total and complete destruction and separation. He said, when they do that, they're going to get it. And then he says, the one who sows to please the what? Spirit will, from the spirit, will reap eternal. 
So it's not just, it's not just Zoe now. Now it's eternal Zoe. Now it's something you get to experience beyond life here. So now the promise is even greater. It's not just a better life here. It's a life like that for all what? All eternity. All eternity you can have Zoe. But here's what works against it. Your and my sinful nature. You're in my sinful nature, right? Go to that Romans 6 passage, right? Romans 6, right, says it this way. You, now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, right? The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal what? Life, Zoe. But listen to what 23 says. For the wages of is death, but the gift of God is eternal in Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's ultimately what works against us in relationship to having eternal Zoe. Our sinful nature. Our sinful nature. Your sinful nature and mine. Our sinful nature is going to work against you and I having eternal Zoe. Which is why scripture tells us to help each other in that struggle. When you see somebody who's stuck in sin, you who are spiritual, with a spirit of gentleness, restore such a one. We have to, we have to get past this notion of killing our wounded in the church. I don't, I don't, I don't want you to raise your hand online or, listen, if you're online and want to raise your hand, go ahead. We won't see you, right? But you don't have to do it in here. But how many of you've ever, since you've become a believer, how many of you've ever been trapped in sin because of your sinful nature? Listen, it's a difficult place to be. If you've, listen, if you've walked with Jesus and you've also been stuck, right, in your sinful nature, you know what that feels like. Yes or no, church? Listen, the last thing you need is for a church person to come along and tell you you're done. What you need is that church person to come along and encourage you. Why? Because our sinful nature works against us having Zoe. So we need to help people who are in that process and not kill them along the way. And then come to church and say, hey, you can thank me. I can put that person out of their misery. They'll never be at church again. No. Right? Listen, the bread of life, the bread of eternal life comes through believing, repenting, and being baptized. What works against us in that process is ultimately us. Our desire for more, right? Our desire for more things, <clears throat> ultimately that greed and that covetousness and what our flesh wants gets in the way. Just breathing at times gets in the way of us pursuing, zo pursuing eternal Zoe because we want so much to be alive on this planet. Don't make the mistake of substituting one for the other. Here's the third one. How do we keep, how do we keep it? Right? How do we keep it? Skip that verse in John and go to James chapter 1 verse 2. James 1 2 tells you how to keep the bread of life. Bless the man who, everybody say that word, perseveres, hupomeno, right? Hupomeno in the Greek, it means that no matter what the weight is on top of you, you never fall. You always stay underneath it. You don't say it's too much. You don't get out from underneath it. And you don't say, I can't bear anymore. He says, blessed is the man who perseveres, who never gets out from underneath the weight. Under what? Trial. Because when he has stood that test, that trial, he says this. He will receive the crown of Zoe that God's promised to those who love him. Listen, you want to know how to keep Zoe? Don't faint and get weak and quit under trial. Don't do it. Because listen, it's going to be easy to quit. 
Life is hard. You're going to go through stuff. And not only are you going to go through stuff that the world throws at you, you're going to go through stuff that God sends your way. Because God is all perfectly fine with testing our faith. Somebody say amen. And when God tests our faith, he's all about cranking up the heat. And you know what heat does? It makes us want to flee. It makes us want to run. It makes us want to get out from underneath it. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. But I know this. You're going to go through trial. And God's going to be the author of some of it. And if he isn't the author, he's the permitter of it. And there is very little distinction there. At the end of the day, what you're going to have to choose to do is, I'm not giving up. So whether it's cancer, or whether it's cancer for your granddaughter, if it's a loss of a job, right? Whatever it is, here's what he said. If you persevere under trial, you'll get the crown of life. That's when you get the victor's crown. That's when you know you finished the race. And so for some of you, listen, what you need to focus on in 2023 is not giving up. Not giving up. Don't quit. It's another reason why we want you in a small group. Because in that group, you will find people that will help you not quit. I've watched it happen over and over and over again. There's a way to not give up. I know it might seem impossible to some of you. It might seem beyond your comprehension, and it is. It's only through the strength of God's Spirit at work in you that makes it possible for us to not give up. But here's the thing. You want to know how to keep it? Don't quit. Don't quit. There may be days where it feels like all you can do is lay on the ground. That's fine. You let the weight come, and you lay on the ground. Just don't crawl out from underneath it. You don't have to say uncle. You don't have to say uncle. Because Bible promises us. That's only a season. Right? There may be lots of mourning and tears at night. But scripture promises us. Joy comes in the morning. There's a season where that will end. Right? So persevere. Hang in there. Don't give up. And here's the, here's the last one. I want to share with you. The last question. Um, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Jesus tells us in John six forty seven this. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting what? Zoe. He can't be taken away. He goes on to say this. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he says, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the what? So Jesus's bread is for who? Everyone. So what do we do with it? We get it through believing, repentance, and baptism. Our sinful nature, our desire to live above ground well will get in the way of that. Our flesh will get in the way of that, right? How do we keep it? We don't give up. You don't give up. You don't walk out from underneath the trial and say, that's it. But ultimately, what do we do with it? Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2. When I went to Troas, Paul says, to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, he said, I still had no peace of mind because I didn't find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to those people and I went on to Macedonia. 
But thanks be to God, listen to this, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, right? And through, everybody read this with me, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Listen, let's be clear about what God's ultimate desire is for you to do with Zoe. It's to spread that fragrance where? Everywhere. Listen, the reason the church exists to make it hard for people to go to hell is because our job is to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Listen, it's not enough for you and I to find that hope for ourselves, right? It doesn't, it doesn't do any good. Listen, 2 Kings 6 tells a story about a siege that was being laid upon Samaria and it was a terrible situation in the city. They were so impoverished by the seeds that one mom was selling her baby to eat, right? Was giving her baby to eat one day. And when it came time the next day for that mother to give her baby up so they could eat, she refused to, right? They were selling the dung or the waste of animals to eat in the streets of Samaria because the siege had so impoverished and starved these people. And there were four lepers outside of the city gate, the scripture tells us. And the leper said, well, if we go inside of Samaria, we're going to die. And there's a good possibility if we go to the enemy's camp, we're going to die. But there's also a possibility that if we go into the enemy's camp, they might have mercy on us. Because there's no food in Samaria. And so those four lepers went into that camp. And when they got into the camp of the, of the, of the Syrians, you know what they found? They found nobody there. Nobody. You know what they found? They found everything left and nobody there. Nobody. And they walked in, and you know what they began to do? Man, they began to eat. They began to eat. And then you know what they began to do? They began to bury. Because the hope they had found for themselves personally, they wanted to keep for themselves personally. And here's the thing about hope. Hope means nothing if it's not shared with other people who need hope. And eventually one of those lepers said, this isn't right. This isn't right. We need to go and tell the people in Samaria. We need to go share our hope with those people. Man, I, I believe in Zoe. I believe that Zoe exists here in spite of how dreadful this world is. I believe that there's more than biological existence. And I believe that there's more than just our life and our breath above ground. And I know that we can get it through believing, repenting, and being baptized. And I know there are things in my flesh that work against it. There are things in your flesh that work against it. And I know that God is going to test us along the way to keep it. But the most important thing you do with it is if you got it, you got to share it. Because hope that's not shared, it's just selfish. It's just selfish. And so the reason why we want you to be a part of our fourth service is because we got hope to give. Heard a statistic today, 2,500 people a day are moving into the state of Florida. 2,500 people a day are moving into the state of Florida, right? 2,500. You know what we need to do? We need to give those people hope, which means we have to give them Jesus. So we're creating space for more of those conversations. We're going on mission trips because ultimately, at the end of the day, Jesus is the bread of life. You need him and I need him. And according to God, everybody needs him. Amen, church? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for whoever shared that testimony with us, whoever shared your word with us, whoever shared that message of hope. 
And I'm grateful that it affects me on a personal level. I'm grateful that I can cling to that hope on a personal level. But more than anything, God, I want to take the hope that you've given me and share it with other people. And I pray that we will do just that as a church. So, Father, wherever we're at, wherever we're at in the process of Zoe, uh, my prayer is that for every person in this space and every person watching online, Lord, that they'll pursue that. They'll pursue it with everything that they have. And when they receive it from you, they'll do everything they can to share others, share it with others so they can have the same hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church.